0: Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B. It is Gwatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Scott Romine here and excited to talk to our, our guest today, a uh, longtime friend of mine. She's uh, an actress, a performer, a producer. And the wife of James Best, our beloved Roscoe P. Coltrane from the Dukes of Hazard, And uh, she's been working for years on adopting me. We don't have the paperwork done, <laughs> but we got to get that wrapped up, you know? <laughs> How are you? Dorothy Best.
1: I'm great, Scott. Yes, I would. you are like a son to me. I love you
0: dearly. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> so t- tell me, you come from a performing family. What was that like growing up, and who all in your family was performers?
1: Oh, well, just about everybody. But it starts with my wonderful mother and father, who were actually in vaudeville. And uh, they were a dance team. Uh, my mother was a ballet teacher, and my dad always wanted to study dance, and he went to study with her at the age of 20, which is rather late to start a dancing career, and uh, a couple of years after that, they formed a dance team and went on the road, and uh, that was the start of it all.
0: Did they <laughs> perform all over the country?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much in the Midwest, um, they uh, although there was a time in the 30s when vaudeville was was dying, of course, and they started getting into different types of things like what they called rep shows and tab shows. And they started uh, actually doing uh, theater. And mom, my mom had a, a degree in theater. Dad was just a natural just a natural at everything and anything he ever attempted to do. And uh, so they got into theater. And so in the 30s, they went out to L.A. for a little while and did some things out there. But mainly we were based in the Midwest, and, uh, and then by the time I was getting ready to come along, we were based in Wisconsin in Beaver Dam, and my mom and dad had their own radio show and their own live show that they would travel to the little towns around there on weekends. And, you know, it, we're talking, you know, farmland, it's farm. People. Sure. And so my mom would write a little play. Uh, Maybe not a full length, you know, two hour show, but but some type of theater. And they would do that. And then my dad, uh, he taught himself the drums because he couldn't find a drummer. And so he he had a band. And so after the show, the chairs would go back and the band would come on. And my older sister, Rita, who is now 91 and doing great, uh, was was the band singer.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: And uh, my brother Barry, who who is now eighty seven, he performed in the shows. And then uh, my mom and dad had my sister Rita and Barry. And then there were nine years because they were on the road. Uh, and then when they got into radio, they started another family in their forties. And so my sister, uh, Mary Jane, and my brother, Johnny, and myself, we all came along in their 40s. My mother was 45 when I was born. So
0: what are the first things you remember acting in?
1: Well, the first thing I remember, in fact, I was just relating this to a cast uh, because I'm doing a show right now at my beloved Hickory Community Theater. And I was just relating this story to my cast that I was three years old. And my my sister Mary Jane and brother Johnny were doing a, a, like a dance recital at, at a Catholic school. And my mother was putting it together. So they were doing like a, a waltz or something. And I was three. And I was to play Cupid. And I came running out in this little pink satin outfit. And I was supposed to shoot my bow and arrow. Of and course. then they fall in love and they do the dance. Well, when I came out and shot the bow and arrow... Everybody in the audience started ooing and awing and applauding because there's this little three-year-old in a pink satin outfit out there. And I looked down and the whole first row is all nuns. And so I thought, <laughs> well, they're applauding. So I went down to the apron of the stage and I did this huge bow and they kept applauding. So I kept bowing and Barry Jane and Johnny are getting furious because they're trying to continue with the dance, and my mother is in the wings trying to get me off.
0: Oh, my <laughs> so gosh. That's,
1: that's my first remembrance was at three, so it pretty much just continued right on from there, and I'm still doing it. So,
0: did, did you try out for, like, some TV shows, Leave with the Beaver, any of that oh, kind yeah, of stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. When uh, in, the, in the late uh, uh, late 50s, 50, 55, 56. We ended up going back out to L.A. because my mom and dad were kind of retiring out of what they were doing and uh, they thought there was more opportunity out in Los Angeles for us. So the whole family moved out there and my brother Johnny and I started auditioning and uh, Johnny was uh, more successful at the film and TV than I was. I did some, I did leave it to beavers and cut some other episodic things, but my thing was really theater. I loved theater, but Johnny did quite a bit of, of things uh, um, out there. So yeah, we started working in TV and I started doing theater in town. And so um, I continued that.
0: You're also quite a teacher. And could you explain, I never really thought about this until, Talking with you, that there is a big difference in acting for a for a crowd and acting for a camera.
1: Yes, yes. Well, just think about it, Scott. You know, camera. It, uh, you know, when you're on a stage and you're trying to, you know, send this message out to an entire audience, hand gestures are bigger, facial expressions are bigger, but in in film, you have the 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 uh uh, opportunity to bring it all in with that nice close-up and where an eyebrow lift all of a sudden says a thousand words yeah and you don't have that luxury on stage so it's a little it's a different technique uh to to performing on stage as it is performing in front of a camera and uh of course, I had the best teacher there was for that.
0: Yeah, that you did. Best. No question. <laughs> yeah. I got to ask you about something. I've always been fascinated. You have an association with the original Star Trek, one of my favorite TV oh. shows.
1: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I was uh, right out of college. And kind of look, looking, what do I do? What do I do? And somehow, I'm not even sure how it came about. I got the opportunity and got the job of answering fan mail for Star Trek.
0: Oh, must have been yeah. tons of it.
1: Well, it was, especially when I first got there there were like bags just sitting around that no one had ever <laughs> not not ever but that i mean cuz this it was really what majel barrett uh who was the nurse on the show right right um yeah she it was sort of her uh thing you know she was married to jean Roddenberry. and so it was, it was sort of her her baby to have this this uh company and actually I think it's one of the first companies that actually sold things from yeah. the oh, show. Yeah. Oh, no question. You know, yeah, no uh, question. You, know, you could get the little badge, you know, that they wore and, and, of course, photos and things like that. So we had a mail order company along with answering the fan mail. So I started by answering the fan mail, which was pretty basic. There were form letters and, you know, things mm-hmm. like that that we could follow. But. Then um, I, I got more involved in the mail order side of it and sort of headed that up of getting the orders filled into the post office and all that. It was a small organization, but it was huge. I mean, going to the post office with these things sometimes would be three, four bags of things going out in one day.
0: That's quite you know, a order. preparation for later doing that for Dukes of Hazard, basically. Well,
1: that's what is interesting about that, Scott. At the time, I had no idea. That, oh my God, we're talking nineteen sixty-nine. Yeah. And maybe in nineteen eighty-nine or ninety, somewhere right around in there, we actually started, Jimmy and I started our own mail order situation for for photos and different things. And I thought, oh my God, all this training that I learned from Major Barrett back in 1969, <laughs> I'm putting to use now.
0: Is that isn't, not insane?
1: Isn't it? And because you, you never know all these things that you do in your life, uh, where how they're going to pop up or how they're going to come together and help you later on. So I really felt like, yeah, I can do this. I did this 20 years ago, but <laughs> now I'll hit it up, you know? Yeah. So. It yeah, come full Did you meet
0: Roddenberry and the cast members and yes, all that? Yes, I,
1: I did once. I did uh, meet. Um, well, I've met Roddenberry a couple of times, and I met a couple of the cast members, uh, James Duhan, and um, uh, he played the Doctor Forrest. Oh, yeah, the Forrest yeah. Kelly. Yeah, yeah, I, I met him one time.
0: So you had <laughs> met you had met Roddenberry.
1: Right, right. So I had met him and he knew I was, uh, you know, trying to get my career going as an adult. And uh, he was doing a film called Pretty Maids All in a Row. And uh, he didn't really have a a a large role or anything for me uh, because, well, first of all, this is the era where there was a lot of nudity going on. And so my auditions were limited because I was not interested in that. We're talking late 60s here. So so I actually met Roger Vadim. I had to go out and and meet him and all and everything. And so they kind of I was basically a glorified extra in the film uh, in a few shots. But. It it afforded me to be able to get my Screen Actors Guild card, so uh, it was very sweet of Gene Roddenberry, who was producing the film, to arrange that for me.
0: So you were so a little early to have been on a Star Trek episode,
1: right? Right. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm. St- uh, yeah. That didn't. No, that didn't happen.
0: Didn't happen. They didn't beam yeah. you up. You know. No I, wouldn't, no. I gotta ask you about something that's always fascinated when you tell me about this, but you saw Elvis Presley. Oh twice. Uh,
1: twice I saw Elvis And you Chris. had
0: a scarf.
1: I had a scarf. Oh my god. no gosh. idea what happened. That was the second time I saw him. The first time I saw him, I believe was the nineteen sixty nine. Isn't that when he opened the Hilton oh, Hotel? Yeah. In International. Vegas? Yeah. 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 I was I was there then. Um. Uh. For that. Um. And. Uh. Uh. And then I think I saw him. I. I. I want to say, seventy four somewhere around in there. Um. Uh, I was in. I saw him again, and that's when I got the scarf. So.
0: Really. So you got the ju- <laughs> The jumpsuit Elvis gave you a scarf.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: And was. And is there anything that can compare? I mean, you saw Elvis Presley. <laughs> I just can't imagine anything topping that
1: uh, the, uh, Scott I, I, you know it, it, he was a performer I had well, I mean that's what cool. I mean
0: the music yeah. the, I mean yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean it's yeah. unreal,
1: yeah, it uh well, I mean, you know when when th- th- there are certain people in our industry that uh, there are legacies and and that's them, but then you have to remember shortly after that. I met my legacy of my life. And that was James. Best, Who
0: is so. an icon. He is an American <laughs> icon. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he most talented person I've ever known. And uh, and where did you meet him?
1: Well, I actually met him. This is going back again to around that same era, right out of college. And I was uh, again, trying to adapt from being a theater ma- major to getting back into, to film. And, um, so, uh, uh, A friend of mine at the college told me about James Best. Of course, I knew about him, his acting career. Anybody that that had anything to do in Hollywood always knew about James Best because he's one of the greatest character actors we ever had. Oh, I turned
0: on TV yesterday and he's on Twilight Zone, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, just out of the blue.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I I went with him to a class and uh I was you know Jimmy was uh, I was 19 Jimmy was probably 40 at that point. And of course my first reaction was that he was the most drop-dead gorgeous man I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. But I'm a little kid. I mean I I literally at 19 looked 13 years old. You know, I could still play. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, so there was, other than I just thought he was an incredible teacher, that's all it was. And I took a few classes, but I was still involved in college in theater, and I, I just didn't have the time to do, to do both. So you fade out, and, and a couple of years after that, I'm doing um, George M., a musical in Burbank or something somewhere. And Jimmy's wife at the time, Joby was a wonderful dancer and choreographer and she was doing the choreography. So I actually knew Joby very well too, because we worked together on this show and Jimmy was coming in to spot direct because the director was mainly a musical director, not a, you know, not a, a film director.
0: guy. Yeah. Or, right. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. So, so we're, you know, uh, I, I kind of met him again at that time. And uh so we worked together a little bit on that musical and then they moved to um, Jackson, Mississippi and, and they lived there for s- seven years and Jimmy was coming back and forth to LA to work and all, but I, I, I had, I never saw him or anything. And then, uh, unfortunately, fortunately for me, unfortunately, situation, because nobody likes to see this happen. Jimmy and Joby uh, decided to to get a divorce. And so I'm in L.A. and a mutual friend says, oh, did you know Jimmy Best is coming back to town because he's going to be associate producer on Burt Reynolds' film, The End. And I went, oh, no, I didn't know that. And then he told me that they'd gotten divorced. And, of course, I said, oh, no, that's terrible. They were a wonderful couple, two beautiful daughters. But, you know, things happen. And so he came back to L.A. and this mutual friend said, um, why don't we all take Jimmy out to dinner, a, a group of us. And so a group of us went out to dinner to welcome Jimmy back to L.A., and uh, well, three, four days after that, Jimmy called me, and just the two of us went out to dinner. Really? And that was June of 1977, and the rest is history.
0: <laughs> what, he take he take you to Star Wars? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. In fact, that's funny, because neither one of us were into things like that, and everybody was raving about Star Wars, and we didn't even see it. Right. I never saw Star Wars till years later. Uh, remember when they brought them out in the theater where you could go see them? On the big screen. Oh again. sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's when I saw Star Wars.
0: Yeah, so, they, they did that yeah. a couple of times actually. So yeah, were you in the picture where he was really running around with Burt Reynolds and Sally Field so much?
1: Well, um, yeah, I was because uh, you know they did the end, yeah, which Sally was in and all, and then they they went right into Hooper, which uh, uh, Sally and was all was in too. So. Um, so yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
0: And you ended up in an episode of Dukes of Hazard. How did right. that come about? Well,
1: um I went in on an interview, like, you know, I mean, I was looking at the scripts, you know, it it was going to it was in season 2. I think it's the second episode of season 2. So they had done a season five Mel Tillis is Georgia. in it,
0: right? Mel Tillis. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Don't tell us it's in it. So, you know, this, you know, we we got the scripts a couple of weeks in advance of what was going to. And Jimmy said, well, you know, there's a role in here that maybe, you know, you should audition for. So so I went in on an audition. Um, And in fact, at the time, the, the, the director at the audition had no idea that that Jimmy and I were even dating. You know, and we'd already been dating two, two two and a half years at this point. But um, so at uh, at first I got the job and then <laughs> they then they thought, oh, no, we better not. I think she's too old because I actually was 31 years old.
0: Yeah. And you're playing and like a 20 year old or something, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm supposed to be Mel Tillis's sister. And so uh so it they gave me the job and then all of a sudden they said no we don't think so because we, you think you might be too old for it and then I don't know uh then I ended up getting it. So they decided to put my hair in pigtails thinking that maybe that would make me look younger and stuff and all that. So The story, the crowning of that is I went to rushes after the first uh, day of of shooting with Jimmy, and I'm not sure the powers that be were sitting in the back, and I'm not sure that if they knew I was there. And we we started to watch the rushes, and all of a sudden I hear, oh, my God, she looks like Mel Tillis' daughter. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so all of a sudden you and look I, younger than yeah, you're supposed to look
1: Yeah, cause I w- and I was supposed to be the sister So anyway, that was the end of that
0: but, And there uh, were horses and things that, You know, oh, I, I mean, boy, it was boy. the perfect spot for you
1: Oh, it, it 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 was great! It was great. I, there was a wonderful—I can't remember her name. I, I'm sorry, but she was a wonderful stunt lady there, and she did, you know. The—I mean, but I did kind of take a crash course. I went out the weekend before with one of the stunt guys from the show, just so that I wouldn't look like a total idiot, you know, getting up on the horse and and doing things like that. I didn't. I wanted to look like I knew what I was doing, you know. Well, you did. But, uh, you
0: but, did. Uh, it was great. Can you tell us, you were on the set of Dukes of Hazard when it started filming in Georgia. What's your memories yes. of that?
1: Um, hmm. You know, it all happened so fast. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I was there. Um, I got to tell you, nobody ever thought that the show would do what it did. Uh, it was it, the best it,
0: show we, ever made.
1: Well, we no one really saw that at all. Uh, Jimmy, you know, it was 5 episodes that Jimmy signed on for. It was to be shot in Georgia cuz Jimmy really didn't want to do a series because Jimmy didn't want to get trapped into L.A. because he didn't really care for L.A. He liked right. working, living in other places and coming into L.A. for jobs. So uh, he took it because it was Georgia and, and it was a southern show. And he thought, oh, well, this will be, you know, this will be fun. So it was five episodes. So in Georgia, you know, I, I wish it had stayed there because it was so authentic. You know, oh the, sure, the, the scenery, the tree, everything. I mean, it it just... That's where the show was supposed to be based, and if it had been now, it probably would have stayed. But in in those days, you know, shooting series out of L. A. was not as common. I mean, other than like New York or something. And you know? they do it now
0: and, all the time, like Walking Dead right, and all that's in Atlanta. Right.
1: Oh yeah but it wasn't that common back then. And uh, so, you know, it was, it was great. I mean, uh, you know, the cast was just getting to know each other. You know, those first five episodes are quite different for uh, for most of the characters, but especially for Jimmy and Sorrel's characters, you know?
0: Yeah. They're Um, a little more ruthless, not not as funny in those first, more serious,
1: more serious, you know? um, And, I think probably, well, I'm sure it started right away, this this comedy situation between the two of them, because they were both seasoned actors. They were both had stage backgrounds. So I think they both recognized immediately that this could be a great comedy team situation oh, yeah. within this show with all with these three beautiful Young people I don't you know? think it was
0: I think it was more targeted to adults initially, and then the kids caught on yeah. to it
1: right, so then it right. kind of
0: becomes gradually more of a cartoon, you know yeah,
1: yeah, because uh the cast sort of got together I remember the the meeting around the pool there at the holiday inn in in um uh, oh God what was uh, that
0: outside? Conyers Georgia
1: Co- yeah Conyers there you go um, and uh they were saying, you know. Um, we, we really think this could be a really good family show if we keep it that way, you know, and all. So a lot of things changed. And that was very early on. I would say between the second and third episode, there's a, it it starts to change a lot, you know, it's hard for uh, me
0: to imagine you were there. So I want to know, it's hard to imagine the general Lee is sitting there on the street and no one in the world knows what it is right did you look at this right. orange car and think anything
1: no no we just thought oh this is a really oh well, that's an interesting color <laughs> you know that'll that'll show up you know yeah and uh and of course naming it the general lee and and all that i mean you know it was all the southern southern history um southern history before a lot of things got distorted i will say that. sure Um, but, uh, so, um, no, we just thought, oh, that's interesting. I mean, having no idea that the general Lee was going to actually become a character. Oh, no question.
0: Now, did you guys own flash?
1: We owned half of flash. Okay. And as Jimmy would say, he never knew which half.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did Flash come to you guys' house sometime?
1: Uh, Sometimes, sometimes, but mainly, you know, at that time, we had Freckles, our first beagle. Freckles Ann was our first beagle. And if we had to leave town on the weekends or whatever to go do personal appearance or Jimmy doing things for children's hospitals or things like that, Freckles would go with Alvin Mears, the wonderful trainer of Flash, to spend the weekend. But
0: the I got first you.
1: weekend she went, Alvin said, well, she just made herself right at home. She actually kicked Flash out of her bed and took over. <laughs> and, so, and I would say to Freckles, oh, my God, Freckles, that dog is buying your doggy num-nums. You That's right. You can't do that. You can't but not do that. Yeah. Now, but. But she did. And if Jimmy came home from the set and had been working that day with Flash, she would not go to him. She'd sit in the chair with her back to him until he went in and showered and all. Oh, my gosh. He smelled like Flash. So that was <laughs> pretty funny. But the buy, buying half the dog situation came in because, um, you know, a dog trainer uh, it doesn't have a lot of clout on the set. And Jimmy thought he was not making enough money. And he said, go in and, and, uh, ask for more money. You're working so hard. And he was such a good trainer, all, all training all through love, you know? And, uh, he said, Mr. Best, I can't do that because if I, if I do, they'll just fire me and and get another dog trainer you know yeah and jimmy said no they do no, they won't if we do this so with there was an actual contract drawn up that jimmy owned half the dog with alvin and it was all signed and all that all done legally so alvin goes in and and asks for more money and they of course they started to threaten him about getting another dog trainer and he said well i don't think James Best would go along with that and they go, well, what, what does James Best have to do it? And he, and they said, well, he owns half the dog. Yeah. So that settled that and Alvin was on the show the whole time and, and his salary was increased yearly. And, and, uh, so he was able to buy the property that he wanted to buy to, to for training of animals and things like that. So that's how it came about.
0: I've never seen anyone, beyond james best be so fiercely loyal and protective of his friends the way jimmy was i mean it's kind of legendary and maybe not everybody knows that but i mean if he was on your side man he would go to battle for you
1: oh absolutely and sometimes you know to his own his own he'd have to take a lot of heat for it yeah but he would do it he didn't care he didn't care you know yeah. What uh, was it you know,
0: like back then Going on these personal appearances During the height of the we show We went on the
1: first one, I, I can't remember where it was But I mean, I'm talking Thousands of people in line You know, <laughs> yeah. to me